Now, you know, if God has prepared a city known as heaven, known as paradise, known as my father's house, and known here in verse 2 as the new Jerusalem, then you know it's got to be spectacular. It is being made ready. God is putting the finishing touches on it. And when it comes down out of where it is right now through a new heaven and sits on a new earth, that's officially when eternity future will begin. Welcome to Search the Scriptures, the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Carl Brogy, Senior Pastor of Community Bible Church in Beaufort, South Carolina. What is heaven really like? Well, today, Pastor Carl begins the first of a three-part message from Revelation 21 entitled, When Heaven Comes to Earth. And we will see from Scripture that as believers, we're in store for a wonderful and radical transformation as this world will be completely made over into a time not unlike that of the Garden of Eden when a new Jerusalem comes down out of heaven. A recent national survey was done by Pew Research on heaven. And 76% of Americans said that they believed in heaven. 71% said it was an actual place. And beyond that, there was a lot of differences and the agreement broke down. 19% said it looked like a garden. 13% said it looked like a city. 17% said, I have no idea what it is like. Well, none of us have ever been there and come back. But we don't have to because God at least gives us a semblance of what this place is like. Revelation chapter 1, beginning now in verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men. And he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. He who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death." God's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. Yes, during the millennium, the Old Testament teaches and Jesus taught God will give a facelift to the current planet. But at the end of the millennium, he's going to create a brand new heaven. Why? Because the drama of sin has been unfolding on this world and in the heavenlies above And so God is going to make something that is spanking brand new. And it's worth noting that the new heaven here referred to is not the place where God is or your loved ones are this morning. The first heaven is the blue sky that you breathe the air in each day. The second heaven is the planets above and the stars and the outer atmosphere. But Paul also spoke in 2 Corinthians of a third heaven, and it's a place where God lives. It's God's abode. 
And so the second coming will be followed by the creation of a new heaven and a new earth. And the evidence is absolutely conclusive. And this coming future day, it is still ahead of us. Unlike today, as I hope to show you in a moment, the heaven that God is going to create will be brand new, as will be the planet. And the place that we call heaven, the third heaven to be technical, is going to literally, actually, physically come down and sit on the earth. Now, it's interesting that a whole lot is not given to us about this coming new heaven and the new earth. But I'm not totally surprised about that. Because for over 2,000 years, the body of Christ, much like Old Testament believers in the past, have asked, where are my loved ones? What are they doing this morning if they are in heaven? What is heaven really like? Because that is the place that God's people have been going for 2,000 years when God uh, emptied out Sheol, righteous Sheol, and he brought even all the Old Testament saints, and from that moment on since the ascension, the moment a believer dies, he is absent from the body and present with the Lord. So you would expect that God would devote a lot of time to this place called the New Jerusalem, the Father's house. But there is some truths here that are given to us about the new earth and even the new heaven. For instance, this verse states specifically, there will no longer be any sea. And again, these popular books on heaven that blur the millennium really have to undo a lot of passages of Scripture because the word here for sea is a word that refers to what we call the oceans. And three-quarters of this world are covered by seawater, by salt water. Now, this does not mean that there won't be any freshwater lakes or beaches or anything like that. But most of the world is covered by salt water. And science tells us that the salt waters of this world act like a great antiseptic solution because so much waste that is even poured into the oceans. Nonetheless, The whole process of evaporation is able to take place, and the rain is able to come. Add to that, the vast oceans will not be as critical as they are today, because right now they divide many of the nations of the world, nations that have been filled historically with war and hatred towards one another, and there'll be no war in heaven. But with that said, keep in mind that the fact that there's no more sea does not mean that there's no bodies of water. We've already learned all the way back in Revelation chapter 4 that the throne of God sits on a glassy sea. And when we come to Revelation chapter 22 and verse 1, we will learn that there is a river that flows from the throne of God, and so it has to cascade somewhere. So this does not mean there won't be any freshwater lakes or freshwater beaches, or for that matter, even waves. Even though there will be no moon, if God wants to make waves, He can do whatever He wants to do as the Creator God. But we have every reason to anticipate that since God's creative hand made the planet that we are on, even though it has fallen, it declares His glory, that there will be some similarities between the two. Look again at verse 1. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And so like the new earth, not a whole lot is said about the new heaven. Why? Well, probably it's beyond our comprehension. But when we come several weeks from now to verse 23, because it will take us a while to get there, we do learn in verse 23 that there's no sun or moon, and by application or implication, I suppose, no stars. 
So no landmarks as we know it today. And yet this is a real place where real people and real resurrection bodies will someday live. Evangelist D.L. Moody, in describing the eternal state of believers, wrote these words. He said, my heaven is a solid heaven. After the resurrection has come, you will have a resurrection foot and something to walk on, a resurrection eye and color and substances to see it with, a resurrection ear and voices and music to regale it, a resurrection heart and love to satisfy it. Now, those loved ones who have gone on, who knew Jesus, they are not in their resurrection bodies yet. We've already studied that. They're awaiting the resurrection of their body. Their body is, so to speak, asleep in the grave, but God will raise it up someday. They apparently have some kind of a temporary body, as we studied all the way back in Revelation 4 and 5, but they are waiting for a new resurrected body that will happen at the rapture, and that first resurrection will continue at the second coming. But just as Carl Brogy needs a new birth to be able to enter this new place that God has, and by the way, if you've not had the new birth, you need it. You say, I'm not one of those born-again Christians. Well, that may be by ignorance or that may be by choice. But Jesus said three times over, unless you are born again, you will never see the inside of heaven. And if you're not sure what that means, you should definitely come next week. But just as I need a new birth, the planet is going to need a new birth as well. And God is going to remove every vestige of sin and evil, and it will be a permanent place. This place is temporary. It will pass away. But the one that God is going to make will be forever and ever. So heaven is a permanent place. Second there in your outline. I want you to see that heaven is a prepared place. It's a prepared place. Look now, if you will, at verse 2. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride, adorned for her husband. This New Jerusalem comes from the third heaven. Again, that's the place where God is this morning. Let me give you some biblical names for heaven. They're all referring to the same place in Scripture. For instance, in John 14, in verse 2, Jesus spoke of heaven as the Father's house. In 2 Corinthians 12, 2, I just mentioned it, Paul spoke of heaven as the third heaven, the abode of God. Above the first heaven, the air, above the starry skies, there is the third heaven where God is. In Luke 23, 2 Corinthians 12, and Revelation 2, it's called paradise or the paradise of God. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 5, it's called the kingdom of God in Christ. We'll come to it later, but the term kingdom is used in different ways in the Bible. But one of the expressions is that place where God's people are this morning. It's called in Revelation 3 and in verse 12, along with this chapter, the New Jerusalem. And in Revelation 21, in verse 2, and again in verse 10, it's called the Holy City. So it's seen here by John as coming down from heaven, and it literally becomes the capital city of a new earth. We might call this downtown heaven, so to speak. So right now, that's where your loved ones are, but that's just a fraction of where we are going to spend eternity. Now, there's a famous hymn done by Pastor Malt B. Babcock. Many of you have sung it with us. Matt has led us in it. This is my father's world. He was a long-winded preacher and music minister, 
The 15th verse in that hymn, which is the third verse in our, ch- in our hymnals, says this, this is my Father's world, the battle is not done. Jesus who died shall be satisfied, and earth and heaven be won. He recognized from this text in the Revelation, as the prophets affirmed of old, that heaven and earth will be one because literally the new Jerusalem will come and sit down on this earth. Notice further, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, made ready. See those words, made ready? It's the Greek word, etoimazo. It means to prepare. In fact, it's the exact same word that Jesus uses in John 14 when he says, I go to prepare a place for you. And describing the great men and women of the Old Testament era, the writer of the Hebrews, in describing these saints said that they desired a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared, same Greek word, he has prepared, and here it's called a city for them. Now, you know, if God has prepared a city known as heaven, known as paradise, known as my father's house, and known here in verse 2 as the new Jerusalem, then you know it's got to be spectacular. It is being made ready. God is putting the finishing touches on it. And when it comes down out of where it is right now through a new heaven and sits on a new earth, that's officially when eternity future will begin. Now, the truth is it's that the average Christian, again, because we live in a society where the pulpits are void of Bible teaching, and I know we have visitors who come here every week and they think not to bring a Bible, and they're right, because they've never needed one before in most churches. But I'm not here to run my mind and to preach my opinion, but to share with you God's Word. But because we live in a totally biblically illiterate culture, people have all kinds of distorted views of what heaven is like. They think, well, we're just going to go there and just do a lot of singing. And they think, man, I don't know that I want to sing for all of eternity. And if the truth were known, some of them feel kind of guilty, and they think, well, after we've gone through the hymnal for the 10th millionth time, what are we going to do next? And they've never really thought about it. And again, even this book, the Revelation, it's one of the more neglected books in all of the New Testament. But we're going to be experiencing the glory of God in a way that man has never seen it before. The holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. This is just the capital city. Again, it's downtown heaven. And one of the reasons God spends nearly two chapters describing this place more than any place in all of the Bible is because he wants us to have a right perspective on it. Put out in the margin next to verse 2, Revelation 3.12, Revelation 3.12, where we find really the first inkling of this prophecy that John is stating here for us. Jesus is speaking to one of seven churches here, the church at Philadelphia, and he says, he who overcomes... I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it anymore, and I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God in my new name. Now, in this verse, notice the new Jerusalem is described as the city of my God, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And the fact that the new Jerusalem comes down out of heaven tells us it's already in existence. 
And of course it is, and it will be distinct from this new planet that he is going to make. He will literally bring the Father's house out of the third heaven through the second heaven, and it will land on planet earth in the same place that the city of Jerusalem is sitting today. It will literally be down out of heaven, a new heaven and a new earth. Look further. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, from God. Now think about that. This is coming down out of heaven from God, the New Jerusalem. This is where your loved ones are right now. And again, heaven will be more than one big song service. A lot of Christians secretly feel guilty. They, you know, how can we sing for all of eternity? Gary Lawson, a Christian cartoonist, understanding that many people have a distorted view of heaven and sometimes are too afraid to admit what they think about heaven. He draws a picture of a man sitting on a cloud with a halo with the, like with the expression of someone who's marooned on a desert island. And he's sitting there strumming his harp, and the caption says, I wish I had brought something, maybe a magazine or something else to read. <laughs> the truth is, is that this new world is going to be so magnificent it's just going to blow your socks off. We will be there in unfallen, glorified, sinless bodies. Since I have been pastoring this church, I've done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of funerals, over 500. And many of our members have gone home to glory, and they're with the Lord Jesus. And I'm not sure how it will all work, you know, are we going to meet with friends and loved ones one at a time or in small groups? Or maybe we'll rotate across the planet and meet our brothers and sisters who lived at different times in human history and in different places. We're not told exactly how God is going to do it. But I do know that what God has said we can hold on to. And we need to be careful not to go beyond what God hasn't said do you remember Paul the Apostle? He said this in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 2, because he wants us to know that this coming world is beyond our imaginations. I know a man, he said, in Christ, who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a man was caught up to the third heaven. Again, this slide, just so you have it fixed in your mind. God describes in Deuteronomy 11, 1 Kings 8, Isaiah 55, 10, what we call the first heaven. It's described as the atmosphere. Then he describes the second heaven in Psalm 8, uh, Genesis 15, 5, Isaiah 13, 10. Those are the stars above, outer space. And then there's the third heaven, the home of God. 1 Kings 8 refers to it like that, as does Psalm 33, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9, as does the Apostle Paul. Furthermore, here in 2 Corinthians 12, Paul writes that he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which a man is not permitted to speak. Unlike modern pretenders and shysters and con artists and these books that are being sold to evangelicals, which we will discuss later on in this series, these people who died, they said, and went to heaven, and now they're selling you their books. And these Christian magazines like Charisma Magazine that is just rampant with utter heresy, a magazine, so-called Christian, that even this week defamed one of the great men of God in this country, John MacArthur. 
I have no respect for that magazine, and I never have. But you have these people who have had these heavenly experiences, and they're big shots. Ego is a mile wide, and they want to tell you what they experienced. And yet Paul, when he is given a vision, he said it was so real, I'm not sure if I was literally physically actually there in my body or if it was just a, a vision, but he said he heard something that consisted of inexpressible words which a man is not permitted to speak. That is, what he heard was in a language so unlike the things that we see on earth, he was not allowed to share it. And while he understood what was said, there were no words in human language that could be even able to convey it with, and he was not allowed to convey it. And just so he'd have a continual reminder never to even brag about the splendor of what he had, God gave him some kind of physical ailment, a thorn in his flesh. I mean, describing heaven, we can take what we've gotten here, but this is just a glimpse. Describing heaven based on what Paul said, it would be like me describing what it's like to drive a car to my little infant grandson. It'd be like trying to describe humility to a Clemson fan. I mean, it's almost impossible. (laughs) They crushed my school yesterday. Don't clap. (laughs) We often talk about heaven the blessed hope. And we talk about the hope of it, but not always the blessed hope side of it. Blessed speaks of happy and jubilant and glorious. But here in verse 2, this place is also described as a holy city. Notice I saw the holy city. Please know that the new Jerusalem is not like any city we know of on earth. There's no break-ins here, no police officers necessary. No violence in this place. God alone will rule. No sin will ever enter it. And everyone present will be in a glorified body. There'll not be any sin, any corruption. It is a holy city. It is set apart. Understand that when people like Abraham, as elucidated in Hebrews 11, are said to desire a better country, Hebrews 11:6, a heavenly one, Further described as a city that God has prepared for them that his conception of some of these terms might be different from ours. You see, when the nomadic people of Israel wandered in the wilderness, they thought of a city as a place of safety and joy and peace and fellowship. And Abraham was looking to a city because the Jewish people had wandered and wandered and wandered throughout their history. And they looked for a city of their own. And a person who is wandering is looking for a city where there's warmth and there's fellowship and there's friendship and there's food and there's safety. And no wonder it's called in the New Testament a home. It's a home. And remember, this is just the capital city that will sit on a new planet. Further reading into verse 2, this place is called not just a holy city, but notice it's described as a bride adorned for her husband. You see that word adorned? It's the Greek word cosmeto. We get our word cosmetics from it. It means to decorate, to make beautiful. Yesterday, my wife has these butterfly plants. They're still blooming and I was just looking at a brand new monarch that had just hatched out. And there he was flapping his little wings, drying them out. 
And I looked at the intricacies on that little monarch's wings that God like drew from heaven. God who, who drew a monarch's design, who created the softness of a rose petal, who designed the human body, is preparing a place. He's going to adorn it. And so while Israel in the Old Testament is called the bride of Jehovah, and while under the new covenant, the church is called the bride of Christ, this city is called the holy city. It's the bride city, so to speak. It is also called the bride. You know, a woman comes down the aisle beautifully adorned. She fixes herself up as best she can, and we sing, here comes the bride. Well, God is saying this city coming down out of heaven, here comes the bride, so to speak, and it will be filled with all the Old Testament saints and all the new covenant saints, all those who have gone on. Now you marry off a daughter. I only had one to marry, praise the Lord. It's expensive. You know, and it costs a lot of money, and you really don't want to spare the expense. You want to make it nice. But I had to cut the budget in places, but I want to tell you, God will spare no expense. He will spend whatever it costs to make this place beautiful. I've been to some places on planet Earth that are absolutely breathtaking to me. And yet this Earth has fallen. While the heavens are declaring the glory of God, Paul tells us it's still a fallen creation. It's not as beautiful as it once was. Not to mention it's been marred and spoiled by sin. But when God creates a new heaven and a new earth and this capital city, it will be a place, Peter said, in which righteousness dwells. All of the great power of God, all of the great wisdom of God will pull it off. It will be the most beautiful place anyone could ever imagine And so it follows that heaven is not only a permanent place, that heaven is a prepared place. But now in verse 3, I want you to see that heaven is a pleasing place. We read now, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. Now, following this initial revelation of the new Jerusalem, John says, I heard a loud voice from the throne. This is the 20th time he's heard a loud voice. And if you remember, each time it's loud because what is about to be said is very, very important. And since this is not the voice of God as it is in verses 5 and 6, this is no doubt as in all the other cases one of God's angels giving an announcement. Notice the announcement. And I heard a loud voice coming from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them. Now, the Bible gives a rather interesting record of the various dwelling places of God. First, God walked with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, which is what made Eden so magnificent and so wonderful. Beyond the luscious fruit and the perfect weather and the effortless work, what made it so wonderful is that the Lord God was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, Genesis 3.8. And Adam's highest privilege was he had companionship and intimacy with the living God who created him. But he lost that privilege through sin. And so now man is physically alive, but he is spiritually dead. So many live in this world physically alive, but spiritually dead, because they have never accepted the free gift of salvation. And thus, they are blinded to the fact that God created us to worship Him and have fellowship with Him. 
But of course, that spiritual death is a result of the fellowship that was broken because of Adam's disobedience, which carried to all successive generations. We've just begun to crack open our look at what heaven is and what earth will be like during the millennial reign of Christ. To listen again to today's message, part one of When Heaven Comes to Earth, use the Search the Scriptures app or visit us online at searchthescriptures.org. You can also order a CD or DVD by calling 877-787-7478 and requesting program REV63. Join us again tomorrow as we wrap up part one of When Heaven Comes to Earth as we open God's Word and search the scriptures. <music>